Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast might be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today on the show, I'm happy to welcome a guest, Alexis Walkenstein. Uh, she's a lifelong Catholic from Boston, Massachusetts. You might wonder, how can that be with a last name like Walkenstein? Her father was <laughs> Jewish, but ended up converting uh, uh, after the World Youth Day in, in Denver, Colorado. Her deep-rooted faith has guided her decade-long Emmy award-winning career in television news. As a college student, Alexis attended that World Youth Day with John Paul II, and her experience was life-changing. From her teenage years, she's had a strong devotion to Our Lady and the Holy Rosary. And after a powerful encounter with Jesus in front of the Blessed Sacrament, her Denver pilgrimage helped her to accept the commission of now St. John Paul II to go into the uncomfortable places to bring the gospel to everyone. So happy to talk today with Alexis Walkenstein about her new book, or not new, it's uh, been out for a while, but really new to us maybe, of Fulton Sheen, uh, Ex Libris Fulton J. Sheen, published by uh, the Pauline books. So welcome to the show, Alexis. Thank you so much, Father. It's great to hang out with you on the podcast. You know, it's kind of intimidating, I'd say a little bit. You know, you're an Emmy award-winning career uh, in television news. And so here we are doing a little radio type thing. And uh, and so you are the journalist and I am not. So, so I stand in awe <laughs> in front of you right now, intimidated. <laughs> But no, no intimidation. This is all our mutual evangelization, right? Wonderful. Yes, that's right. And of course, you wrote this, uh, or you compiled really from the writings or from the library of Fulton Sheen, many of his different uh, passages from his books and, and everything like that. But we know that Fulton Sheen himself was an Emmy Award winning uh, televangelist uh, for his show Life is Not Worth Living. So so I'm, I guess maybe to start off, is that where you first got your inspiration with Fulton Sheen? You know, it's interesting. I did. You know, I, I'm a daughter of the pontificate of Pope John Paul II, who's my generation. And so Fulton Sheen was really of my parents' generation. And I knew about him, you know, historically. And I knew about the TV connection. Um, but it was really when I was making a transition from my news career into diocesan work, I became a spokesperson for a bishop in South Florida. And I became acquainted, a little bit more acquainted with him. And it was during the crisis in the church that I, I purchased a book, Three to Get Married, by, by Bishop Sheen. And I thought he could help me on two fronts. You know, I was praying for a good holy husband, and I was going to work for a bishop, which was a foreign concept. I had worked in a secular newsroom for many, many years um, at NBC and CBS in New York. And so even though I had uh, priest friends and grew up in that John Paul II era where there was vocation boom um, and you know, interacted with the church as a journalist, working for a bishop was completely different. So I sort of adopted Fulton Sheen as an intercessor, but I didn't know that he was on track for sainthood until much later, even though that was something that was in, in play. Um, but I, I, I kind of had that idea that this was a, a, a bishop who netted an Emmy Award for his, his ministry and work in the communications field to evangelize. And so I really leaned on him to be a bridge for how I would really transition from the mainstream secular news world to a more um, targeted uh, field of communications for the Lord. Now, one of the things as we talk about Fulton Sheen, um, just from my own experience, 
encountering his writings. Actually, when I was in uh, college, I, I was supposed to go to the American College in Louvain, Belgium, and study for um, for theology studies. And that's where uh, Archbishop Sheen did some of his philosophical studies, some of his theological studies in Belgium there. Right. And uh, in my academic pursuits then, I started praying every day for his intercession for that cause, but also just that wow. I would be a good student. And I tried reading some of his books. You know, he, he was a prolific writer, wrote so many different yeah. books. The Life of Christ, uh, of course, being a Marian theologian, The World's First Love. And yeah. uh, I always just found it really difficult to read him for whatever reason. But then one day I sat down and I read Treasure in Clay, his autobiography. And this has yeah. been a model that now I've approached in my own reading and study of individuals that before I read somebody's thought, oftentimes I want to read their autobiography if they have one or a biography because it really helps me to understand where they're coming from. And once I read Treasure and Clay, I loved everything that I read from Sheen. So, so it somehow removed this block that I had uh, with his theological writings. How interesting. Yeah, I think it's he's his writing can be a challenge but it's intoxicating at the same time uh the first you know piece that i picked up three to get married you have to read it a few times but then I mean, you study section by section and just you know a couple of sentences there's so much density there and so i i found that to be the same and treasure and clay is beautiful and i think you know treasure and clay really kind of depicts the relevance of Fulton Sheen for today. And he even talks about that in his autobiography about using the television platform on a commercial basis that he had to have a little bit of a different approach, which is, you know, he's no longer talking in the name of the church and under the sponsorship of the bishops, but a new method, which is much more ecumenical, directed to Catholics, Protestants, Jews, and, and everyone of goodwill. Um, he really used that philosophical aspect and approach to really take a common theme and unpack it for all of humanity. And I think that's what's so appealing about Fulton Sheen, especially through his video presentations. But that's very uh, strong point you make, Father. A lot of people knew him from, from television and radio, but they didn't realize that he has over 70 published, published works. And so when I began my relationship, this spiritual friendship with him, I began to devour a lot of his works, and that became the source and the basis for what would be a compilation through the Fulton Sheen book published by Pauline Media. So did Pauline Media approach you to put this together, or did you approach them? How did that come about? It's interesting. They approached me, and it was after a period of time where I was falling in love with Fulton Sheen, and I had a very spiritual experience praying inside the crypt where he, his body used to reside under the altar at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. And I stumbled in there. I was on a girls' weekend with my sister, my my aunts, my niece, and my mom. And, you know, some of us were living the sacraments and others were, were not. But we all made a visit to St. Patrick's. Half of my family went off to American Girl Doll and Fifth Avenue. And, and my mom and my aunt and I stayed for daily mass. And after the mass, we wanted to show my aunt the beauty and the splendor of the cathedral, which she had never been to. And... We all got turned around and we ended up behind the main altar and we knelt down and my mom and my aunt were kneeling down and I knelt down on the third kneeler and there was a prayer for the, for the canonization of then servant of God, Fulton J. Sheen. And I thought, wow, this, this bishop, you know, in heaven, this dead holy bishop is actually on track for sainthood and I didn't know that. 
And I felt very um, proud of myself for having a lot of knowledge being a newswoman and a spokesperson for a bishop and a communications director. But somehow I missed the memo that this bishop was on track for sainthood. So it became a very profound moment. And I petitioned the security guard and then the sacristan to get inside so that we could pray inside the crypt. And it was this whole rigmarole, and I talk about it in the introduction to the book. And I made a promise. I had five intentions. We ended up getting into the crypt. I had five major intentions that just kind of rolled organically because this was happening so fast. Uh, Three for other people, two for myself. Very impossible, difficult situations. And I, at the end of my prayer, I said, Bishop Sheen, if you help me with Jesus Christ with these intentions, if you help me, I will promote you. I started to laugh, you know, emerging from the crypt thinking, well, it's a win-win situation. He's already famous. He doesn't need my help to be promoted. But right after I came out of the crypt, I received an email from a priest I never met before. And it said, Dear Alexis, my name is Father Stanley Deptula. I'm the executive director of the Fulton J. Sheen Foundation in Peoria, Illinois. I heard about you, and I'm wondering if you would help us promote Fulton Sheen's cause in South Florida. And it was like, what is going on? This is such an immediate response. So, you know, here I am saying that I'll help Fulton Sheen, you know, promote him. And the Lord was holding me, holding me accountable immediately. So I began, you know, in the Diocese of Palm Beach. Very quickly, I responded to this priest that set off a flurry of email exchanges. And uh, he said, would it be too, I said, I just came out of the crypt. This is uncanny. And he said, this is totally God. It's not unlike Fulton Sheen and Our Lady. Would it be too forward if I invited myself to come meet your bishop and you and see what we could do in Palm Beach? And I said, absolutely. Let me just get back from Christmas break and talk to the bishop. And, of course, the bishop, a New Yorker and a, and a lover of Bishop Sheen, was very um, willing to let us, you know, promote the cause. And so I've done, you know, several years' worth of evangelization throughout South Florida and invited the cause and even Fulton Sheen's niece, Joan Cunningham, to come and share about her uncle. And I thought, well, that was a season in my life, you know? And then flash forward a couple of years, I had moved on to some movie work in a secular, uh, an agent, a faith agency reaching into the secular world and reaching into the faith world. And it was a really profound time because the Lord was widening my sphere of evangelization through art and culture. But suddenly the, the agency crashed and burned, and it was like how the Lord will establish something and then he will, he will shut it down. During that period, I was asked to work on a film uh, from an actor friend of mine about a whole year later, two years later, after kind of a rocky period in my life of a little bit of uncertainty, but it was the Lord was, you know, shifting things. You know, we can see things from a you know, perspective of chaos, like one we're living in right now with this coronavirus. But the Lord can shut things down to reestablish you. And so I was asked to work on this movie. It was towards the tail end of the film. It felt kind of, uh, you know, short-lived and it didn't seem like a sure thing. But God wanted me to look at it from a higher perspective. And he was like, you know, help this man. He's my son. So I took on this little work, this little helping connect, make connections, media connections and things like that. And on the night of the premiere... I was asked by an editor at Pauline Media, if I had never said yes to the actor, if I had never offered my time and talent, I would not have met this editor who said, your name came up at an editorial meeting. We would like you to do a book on Fulton Sheen. And so it was like Fulton Sheen was behind all my movements that seemed very rocky and choppy. But it was like Fulton Sheen was not only inviting me to evangelize to a greater degree through this book, 
but he was also showing me, I'm in this, I'm leading you, I'm, I'm the intercessor behind where you're going to move next. And at that time, I didn't know it, but I was on my way to Hollywood. And I've been here for five years, working in the film industry on some of the biggest safe releases and titles. And uh, it's been extraordinary, extraordinary time to uh, bring Hollywood and change the culture. And it's really through the intercession of, of Fulton Sheen, who knew how to master the media, he knew how to have a captive audience. And so he's been really instrumental in so many things in my life right now. What are some of the films that you've uh, worked with? So many films. Um, last year, I worked on the film Unplanned. Um, oh, sure. And I was a co-producer on that film, which is the true story of Abby Johnson, the former Planned Parenthood abortion worker. And um, that had a profound impact on the culture. Uh, I worked on the, the new release, which is out now, called I Still Believe. Uh, starring KJ Apa, Gary Sinise. Um, last year, the film Breakthrough with Chrissy Metz from This Is Us, uh, produced by Devon Franklin, which is a oh, yeah. wonderful, wonderful film about um, you know the, the miracle and the power of prayer. True story. Um, other movies include a documentary called Mully, which is a movie that I just love. And uh, hopefully people who are stuck at home, some of these movies will be, you know, movies that you can stream and be inspired by. Uh, Mully is a wonderful documentary uh, story about a man from Kenya who has been called the Mother Teresa of Kenya, was an orphan who became a mogul uh, from poverty, became a, a, a mogul and ended up giving that fortune away to uh, street children and orphans and developed an orphanage with his wife and children. And it's a very powerful story about what God can do, especially through faith and prayer. So that's a really great film. So many other movies, um, Little Boy, um, I've worked on, you know, For Greater Glory, starring Andy Garcia, uh, going back from the beginning, Soul Surfer, which is the true story of Bethany Hamilton, a young surfer who lost an arm oh, yeah, uh, in a shark one, yeah. attack. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've, you've worked um, a lot of different films then. A lot of different films, yeah. And, and they're different. You know, some major feature releases and, and titles with studios and then some smaller documentaries. Right now, I'm working on the movie Fatima, which um, had an April release, but now we're moving to August around sure. the Feast of the Assumption. So that's going to be a big, a big title coming and people will be ready for it, especially after what we're going through right now. So. Well, we'll have to have you back on this podcast to talk a little bit more about the Fatima movie. I've seen some of the uh, advertisements that have been out there and different uh, media outlets yeah. doing articles on it uh, most recently. But I I'm sure with the whole coronavirus outbreak and quarantining and social distancing that, that really it's taking a hit on the movie industry in Hollywood and, and, and like it is everything it else. Is. But the, hopefully everything will bounce back once uh, everything everything is contained. I think so. I think it's been, people are, are very cautious and, you know, we started to see the theatrical chains um, start to shut down, studios shutting down, um, you know, film releases sliding. And I, I do, I think people are being safe and, and it is a hit, but for most of us, especially in the faith side of Hollywood, you know, we, we have prayer, you know, we have community and we're able to kind of just see the big picture and just trust in the Lord. So, and pray for people who don't have faith that are going through this becomes more shocking for people that don't have faith. So, um, God has positioned many of us out here to be kind of a, 
a strong support and and to to bring people back to you know really what's important in life, which is the Lord. You know, you mentioned living in Hollywood, working in Hollywood. Your book is from Pauline uh, Media. And the Daughters of St. Paul, uh, early on in the podcast, uh, in the in the first season, I had Sister Bethany on, and she talked a little bit about her life uh, as a Pauline sister, as a daughter of St. Paul. And one of the things that I've always found fascinating about them is that they really adopt people them. in Hollywood, and they pray for them and for their conversion. They you know, do. Some of these stars. And uh, that's always They've something that's impressive. Me. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. I, I I credit Bishop Sheen for creating that divine connection. You know, being from Boston, the mother house is there. And so I always had that connection with them, but not to the level and degree that I've had since I've moved out to L.A. They were always kind of in the fabric of the community, but I had other nuns in my home parish. And then, then probably the most that I really kind of interacted with them was on a panel having to do with the sex abuse scandal in Boston. And I was still in the mainstream world and there were some religious sisters that were on the panel. And then when I moved to Palm beach, um, sister Tracy Dugas was in Miami. So she was up in Palm beach quite a bit when we had large events. And I started to, it started to begin my relationship with the Pauline nuns. When I moved out here, sister Nancy came from Boston. And so it was like, I knew sister Nancy and she's fabulous. And Sister Bethany, of course. I mean, I, I know them all now. But doing the book has really cemented me with the media nuns. And it's been a huge grace because they support you, like you said, in every aspect of your ministry, but also for those that are far out. You know, they're really, their daily prayers and devotions. When I've traveled for the book, I actually stayed in convents, or their convents around the country, or their houses. Um, to make it simple for them. And it was a wonderful experience because they adopted me into their daily prayer. I was able to pray their holy hours with them and to hear them praying uh, together as, a, as an order and a community for every aspect of the media was very emotional and very profound to know that those of us who have committed to work in any form of media, whether it's on the faith side of things or in the secular world, there's a religious order praying intentionally every day for God to bless and use them uh, for heaven's purpose. And it's awesome. So with the book that you have on Film Sheen that you compiled, someone sits down with it. They, they acquire it. They sit down with it. What are they going to find in there? Yeah, well, the book is, I mean, here's the deal. Putting this thing together and... and kind of like trying to pick out from over 70 works was kind of a, a feat, right? I had to pray and say, Lord, you know, what is it that you want to, to release into the culture through Fulton Sheen? Like, what does our culture need today? And so I really prayed heavy about it. And Sister Teresa Noble was the editor assigned to me, and she's amazing. If you don't follow her, follow her on Twitter. She's awesome. And there was a lot of prayer going into this. So what ended up happening was I was, I was like sourcing material from different aspects and I felt like what God wanted to do was really uh, reveal himself in the ways that um, he could reorder us for a life worth living. You know, the, the famous moniker that, that Fulton Sheen had was that life is worth living. Well, a life worth living is a life set free from sin. It's a life connected to Jesus. It's a life that's squarely placed in his will, you know? And so it's, it's slated into four, you know, several sections and the sections include uh, the fire of God. So the first section is 
uh, excerpts that have to do with really how the Lord calls a soul, um, the transforming fire of God, that, that his call is to each of us individually. And it kind of goes through, you know, like if you have any questions about, like, does God really exist? Does he care about me? Um, that's what that first chunk is all about. And then it moves into um, human freedom. It's the greatest gift that we can give back to the Lord is our own freedom in exchange for his will. So elements of um, excerpts from various sources about what, what Fulton Sheen says about um, our will versus God's will and the struggle that we might have with that and the meaning behind um, really t- laying down our life for Christ. Um, so that's really profound because I think that's what we struggle with the most in the world today. There's so much narcissism. There's so much about the, just this me kind of attitude that, that is, you know, pervasive, especially in social media, um, kind of instant gratification, things like that. So I wanted to set it up, and I think the Lord set it up, with kind of like how God pursues a soul and then human freedom. These are like the kind of the initial things that we kind of grapple with. When we can kind of get into that, then we can move into some deeper things like divine love, which is the third section of the book. And that has to do with everything from, you know, where divine love is in the, on the earth, how it's found in our vocational life, whether it's priesthood or religious life or in the, in the marital embrace and human sexuality, pulling from aspects from three to get married. Uh, and then we move into sin because sin is a word that's been scrubbed from our vocabulary, talking about how sin separates us from our relationship with God and the friendship with God, how to get back into friendship with God if you've been away, um, confession, and just different excerpts that, that Fulton Sheen really speaks into about how sin hurts us, um, which I think is important because we, you know, we trust our doctor with our medical diseases, but what about our spiritual diseases? And then the final uh, chunk is where we can find Jesus. Like, where do we find him? On the earth, so this has to do with the sacramental life of the church. Um, you know, the holy hour, which Bishop Sheen uh, made every single day. The mass. Um, you know how Jesus is in disguise, and in, in the place you would least likely expect in the manger. So, just kind of like where we find the Lord on the earth, and and why that's so important for us to be connected to. That that these are not antiquated. Um, elements of our faith, but the power of God resides in those sacraments, and that's where we find the Lord. One of the things you mentioned earlier on when we were talking was about praying uh, at the crypt there at at St. Patrick's in New York, and of course now his body has been moved uh, to Peoria uh, to to that diocese, and and so there was that prayer for canonization, and and there was actually a scheduled canonization um, for or is it can oh yeah or bless beatification <laughs> beatification I mean. yep. it was a beatification. My whole family, we were going. All of us that were in the crypts that day, we had our airline tickets, and we had, we were all going. People from all over the country that have become close personal friends of mine that are. You know, people that are related to Bishop Sheen or, you know, co-workers in this ministry of evangelization. Uh, It was going to be a December event to remember. And then it was like we all got sucker punched. Uh, Everything shut down very quickly. And it was a shock. And yet, you know, uh, we have to wait on the Lord. You know, God, God's timing is perfect. And uh, it was it was really stunning. I mean, the body moving was not a total surprise. Um, very different, especially for those with, with great access in New York, but, um, he, he is available, you know, to make a visit 
if you're in Chicago, Peoria, he's he's at the cathedral and he's at the altar of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Yeah, so essentially some some communication was made from Rome to halt the beatification of Fulton Sheen. And I guess, you know, what do you make of that? Or how do you feel about that? Or what's your reaction to it? Well, I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard to know the true facts. I mean, there's a lot of news reporting that's happening and, you know, a lot of accusations that New York, you know, was upset that the body was moving. And so they rattled the cages in Rome and, you know, others are saying that, you know, because of the sex abuse scandal and the monumental names that were coming out of the New York uh, Inquisition, uh, going back for years and years and years, they wanted to be sure that Fulton Sheen's name was not part of that record. And, you know, I mean, all of that had been vetted previously. His, his life of, you know, heroic virtue had already been vetted and confirmed by the Vatican. So it's hard to know really what, what the heart and the root of this is. Um, there was no major statement from the Vatican. Uh, there was a lot swirling and, uh, it was very disappointing, I think for people who've been waiting and praying and working toward this for so long, but we know one thing that, that Bishop Sheen is already in a, in a high place, uh, whether the it's declared here or not, there is a miracle attributed to his intercession that has to do with a, a baby that was stillborn for over, over an hour. And so the miracles at the hands of Fulton Sheen will continue. Um, we can get stuck on the dogmatic things like uh, the declarations of sanctity. And I believe that that will come, but I think we need to keep pressing on and calling on his intercession, calling on, you know, him to intercede for the church to be reborn, especially in America. And I think we're seeing that right now. I mean, we have been stripped during this coronavirus <laughs> with the mass. We've been stripped in our ability to, to, to come together as a community. Um, some of us who may have taken that for granted and not be weekly communicants uh, in a time of need when you need to go. Now you don't have it. I mean, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And so um, we're seeing a rebirth in the church in many ways. We're seeing drive up confessions. We're seeing mass online. We're seeing live virtual rosary events. Family Theater Productions is doing, you know, weekly live rosaries on Sunday and thousands of people are joining from around the world. There's a revival that's breaking loose in our country from a place of deprivation. So we have to let God be God, even in a storm, even in something that he did not deal unto us. Uh, he moves. And, and so praise God, you know, so if we're deprived uh, you know, blessed Fulton Sheen for a minute, you know, we continue to call on him and ask him to move for the church, to, to create the purification that we seek in our priests and our bishops and in all of us for, for holy, healthy marriages and for beautiful vocations to priesthood and for a renewal of true orthodoxy to be proclaimed, you know, within uh, the context of parish life and, and um, all of that. So I, I think it's hopeful, even though on the surface, things look gloomy. God's always at work. For sure. And uh, maybe just the last thing before we move into your own kind of Marian profile, uh, but uh, what's one of your favorite books from Fulton Sheen? So, of course, you mentioned Three to Get Married. We've thrown out a few other titles, but but of all yeah. his literature, which one do you find a, a great richness in? Well, I, um, I love lift up your heart and peace of soul. So it's really hard to pick one. And I drew a lot of content from peace of soul and lift up your heart. 
And I think because Peace of Soul and Lift Up Your Heart have a lot of uh, content that really speaks to um, the ego and to that kind of sin sickness that gets us stuck in the head. Uh, Fulton Sheen breaks open a lot of things that can help heal the mind and the soul, especially for people who might be stuck in addiction. Lift Up Your Heart is an interesting story. Um, I discovered this during my early time in getting involved in evangelization. We did a documentary on Fulton Sheen's life, and there was a, a drug addict, a lifelong drug addict and alcoholic who talked about the power, the efficacy of reading Lift Up Your Heart, that he could never kick the habit. But when he read Fulton Sheen's Lift Up Your Heart, which spoke into his heart and spoke into the ego, he never drank or drugged again. And so to me, the power of, of the, the Word of God coming through Fulton Sheen and the catechesis uh, to break open uh, the heart is, is powerful. And so anyone that's listening, and we all have people that we're praying for, for drug and alcohol or any other kinds of addiction, pornography, um, these books are, are like a spiritual bomb for people. And, and not just if you're struggling in that way, but just to really kind of understand life. Um, so I love, I love Lift Up Your Heart and I love Peace of Soul, and you'll find a lot of that in my compilation as well. Well, wonderful. Thanks for those recommendations for his writings, and hopefully people will be interested in Fulton Sheen and want to, to learn more about him, to read some of his works. You know, one idea of a book that I've always wanted to compile, but I, I'm too busy writing other books, <laughs> would be to go through Fulton Sheen and to, to put together a book of rosary meditations based on his writings and reflections on the life of Christ or from the world's first love or the seven last words or whatever to, to really bring together a rosary book, much like they did for Father Patrick Payton and his meditations and so forth. But but that's something that's always been on a to-do list, but I, I don't have the time for it as of now. But maybe one day, who knows? Maybe one day. That sounds like a fantastic idea. So well, that's so. Thank you so much for talking about Fulton Sheen with us. And of course, the the last segment that I always like to do is to just talk to the person that I'm interviewing about their Marian devotion and kind of what I would call their Marian profile. Basically, how is it that <laughs> you love Mary? Now, we yeah. could actually do this for Fulton Sheen. That we could go through and and try to identify these things in the life of Fulton Sheen. Uh, and maybe I'll just in, insert a few quips uh, here and there, but but we'll make it about you. So um, just just real quickly, some some questions about Mary and your relationship with her. What's your favorite title for the Blessed Mother? Mm. Oh my goodness, that's a tough one. I I have two. I don't know if I'm allowed to give two, but I have I have two. I have. Um, I think it's because my recent travels to Mexico, I love Our Lady of Guadalupe, but because of my my home devotion, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, those are my two favorite titles. I grew up uh, around Basilica Mission Church in Roxbury, Massachusetts, which is my grandmother's family's primary devotion, uh, miraculous basilica, miraculous image, and so I've always loved Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Um, and recently, I've, I've had several trips to Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico, and the power of her presence, the power of being under her tilma, the power of her love, uh, and that global kind of perspective has really taken me over. So it's a little bit of a tie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Very good. So there are lots of different Marian sacramentals out there. Of course, the rosary is a sacramental. There are medals and, and mm. other things. Is there a, a Marian sacramental that you make use of, that you wear? Um, the brown scapular, I would say, would be my Marian sacramental. I mean, I always carry my rosary beads, but I, um, from the time I was very young, I have been a devotee of Our Lady under, you know, Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the brown scapular have been, um, consecrated, uh, enrolled, I guess, as you would say, um, in that devotion. And, um, in these times, I think it's urgent that we basically clothe ourselves it's really it's the clothing we put on and a signpost of really being under her mantle of love and protection there's a lot of different prayers to the blessed virgin of course the most popular one would be the hail mary that we pray so often but is there a favorite marian prayer that you have i love the um the memorare Uh, of course the hail mary but the memorare i love the rosary, people sometimes find it difficult to pray. Maybe they get lost in meditation or, or distracted. Is there any tip that you could offer to help people pray the rosary better? This is going to sound really weird, but it helped me um, at a certain point where when I was living in the Diocese of Palm Beach, I became under the tutelage of a very holy um, family community, a Haitian Catholic community Um with tremendous charism and love for the, for our lady. And I would pray in a cynical with them. I had prayed in a cynical in Boston for many years and then in a cynical at their home. And one night, um, one of the women called me after we had our cynical and she said, Alexis, the Lord is calling you to do a 54 day rosary novena. And I had never done that before, even though I prayed the rosary almost every day, pretty much just the thought of a 54 day rosary novena was, sounded like, I don't know if I could ever commit to that 54 days in a row. And I, I, but I knew, I knew in my heart that I was called to do it because as I was praying the rosary the evening before, when she received this, this word for me, I was feeling like a warmth through my whole body that I couldn't quite explain. I never happened to me before. And I knew it had something to do with the rosary and I was called to something a little bit deeper. So I began right away this 54 day rosary novena and I would call Matilda and I would say, you know, um, like maybe I'm waiting too late at night, but I'm like, I'm so drowsy. Like I'm, I'm like ready to fall asleep. And she said to me, and I share this, stand up. When you're praying the rosary, you need to stand up, stand up and pray it, stand up and pray it, be on it, be at attention because you're, it's not what people say. Oh, isn't that nice? The rosary brought you peace. You fell asleep. That's not of God. She said, stand up. You know, the enemy wants you to fall asleep, but the Lord wants you to finish it. He wants you to, to pray it well and at attention, not in a place of grogginess and not in a place of, of sleepiness, but to be really aware of the prayers that you're praying. And so for me, um, a couple of things have helped me is, you know, reserving that time earlier in the day, but also, um, you know, if I'm feeling flat, like stand up, like stand up and be really serious about your prayer and, and, um, and the Lord is listening, and Our Lady is listening, and, and that's really helped me to just have a, a more of a serious approach to it um, and not pass out. <laughs> 
Well, very good. Well, thank you for that tip. And, you know, posture does mean something, right? So so posture helps us. Sometimes if we do notice we fall asleep in prayer, well, am I laying down? Well, of course you're going to fall asleep. So so sometimes it's just a simple suggestion like that, uh, but kneeling too, that, that brings us to our knees in prayer. So... The, uh, the, in the scriptures, Mary makes many appearances in the pages of sacred scripture. We see her life and her role mm-hmm. in salvation history. Do you have a favorite Marian Bible passage or a place where she appears in scripture? I do. My very favorite is the Annunciation. I just, I love it because everything is contained in that, in that gospel passage when, you know, there's prophetic activity, the angel comes and foretells. And then he declares, you know, that it's, he exhorts her not to be, you know, do not be afraid. But also, it, it is by the Holy Spirit that this has been done. She's, she receives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadows her. And I love this passage because I feel like we can go to Mary and say, you know, Mother, I want to have a share of that Annunciation. Let me be under the same Holy Spirit that overshadowed you. Help me to embrace whatever it is that God is calling me to do in my life how God is calling you. I'm too, I am also called to something. Help me to be under the Holy Spirit so that I can, I can hear and know and have that be announced and then respond with a yes the way you did. I think that's everything in our life is to know God's will and then to do it. Mary has appeared in many different places throughout the world. You mentioned going to Guadalupe. Uh, is there any Marian apparition that you have a great fondness for? I love um, Our Lady of Fatima. I've always really studied Fatima and been devoted to Our Lady of Fatima, but I think the experiences of my time in Guadalupe have just given me a sensory and mystical overload that I feel intimately connected to Our Lady of Guadalupe in a way that I can't describe. And so she's become my my dominant devotion. When we talk about Marian shrines, of course, these places of apparition like Guadalupe or Fatima are Marian shrines, but there are other shrines to Mary uh, based upon mm-hmm. her titles. Is there any Marian shrine that you've visited that left an impression on you? Yes, um, there are, are several. Um, of course, I mentioned um, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, the Basilica of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in, in Boston, in Roxbury, Massachusetts otherwise known as Mission Hill. If any of the listeners are in Boston or traveling to Boston, I highly recommend going there. Uh, profoundly beautiful, miraculous. I've had so many prayers answered there, and it's, it's a place of solace and consolation. Um, I recently visited the shrine. Uh, I didn't know much about this apparition in America, in Wisconsin, Our yes, Lady of yep. Good Help. And um, it was really, really profound. We had the Catholic Media Conference there, I think, a couple of years ago. And so that enabled me to make a visit. And we had Mass there. And we were able to go to the church underneath. Very simple. Nothing like grand or no grandeur. Just very, very simple, which is in keeping with Our Lady. But uh, the power of God was there. And it was a very special experience that... um, just proves, you know, Our Lady's presence is in so many places around the world and, um, in, you know, in, in unlikely places and in beautiful places and how she comes to her people in need. That was a very, very special experience that left a very lasting impression on me. Is there a Marian book that you would recommend that you read that you really like and think others should read it? A Marian book? Uh, 
Um, I'm trying to think of a Marian book. I guess I guess it's not really a book, but it's more like devotion. But um, you know, Saint Louis de Montfort, Total Consecration, the original. Um, I think if anyone could read anything about the Blessed Mother, um, please read Saint Louis de Montfort and do the Total Consecration. It is so powerful. It's changed my life in so many ways. Um, and again, it's like one of those longer commitments, like the 54 day rosary novena. This is a 33 days preparation to consecration. And, and when you think of 33 days in a row, it could feel overwhelming. It is so worth it. I encourage anyone, if, if we're still on this Corona quarantine, by the time this podcast airs, use this time to just go deeper into how, um, our Lord and our lady want to shape you and you'll be so grateful that you did. And lastly, uh, when we go to Mass on some of the Marian feast days, like the Assumption or the Immaculate Conception, there might be a Marian mm-hmm. hymn that is sung at Mass. Is there one that you you enjoy, one that you hope to hear, maybe one that you whistle or, or hum as you leave the church? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, Ave Maria, I think that is the ultimate uh, for me. So the Ave Maria is really my, my favorite Marian hymn of all time, forever. Well, very good. Well, thanks so much for sharing about your own Marian devotion, these uh, tips, and, and just really bringing awareness to many different aspects. Thinking of Fulton Sheen, of course, he wrote that book, The World's First Love, and uh, he, he tells yeah. many great stories, too, about going to Lourdes, for example, when he had no money to pay for his hotel, and uh, it was the yeah. last day, and he didn't know if he was going to pay, like, have the money to pay for it, and as he's walking and praying that God would send him someone, this guy asks him, you know, have you paid your hotel bill yet? And, and, and Fulton Sheen's like, no, I haven't, and so this man steps in and takes <laughs> care of it for him, but... You know, so he was a pilgrim uh, to, to Marian shrines, and Lourdes had made a, a very big impression on Fulton Sheen. So uh, we've been talking today mm. with Alexis uh, Walkenstein. She uh, compiled a book of writings of Fulton J. Sheen uh, called Ex Libris Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, it's available from Pauline Books and Media. If people want to learn more about you on social media, where should they go? I have a blog that's uh, lexicaliblog.com l-e-x-i-c-a-l-i blog.com so I post you know some things there and um, at Twitter at Walkenstein a good Jewish name for a Catholic girl um, and on Instagram at Lexi Walkenstein Okay. Well, great. I encourage everybody to go and find you and to see all the stuff that you're doing especially out there in Hollywood You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your love for the Blessed Virgin. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at the handle FR Edward Looney, L-O-O-N-E-Y. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd encourage you to leave a review so others might find it too. Until next time, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.